Bibles open up to Genesis chapter number 44, 45. And uh, we've been going through our, uh, in our adult Sunday school class. And I need to, I am on. All right. I didn't think my, my uh, I didn't think I turned that thing on. All right. We've been going over the uh, life of Joseph, and uh, I've enjoyed the lessons phenomenally. And uh, I've been going through a book by uh, John Butler, and he's just got it's just phenomenal things that he points out out of the text, and and uh, and so I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, the lessons. I hope that you have too. I hope they've been a help and a blessing to you uh, in your life as we look at this. And uh, and so Genesis chapter number forty-five. And uh, once you get there, I want you as well to open your Bible or turn over to Isaiah chapter 53 and just uh, put, a, put a bookmarker there or put your finger there and, uh, and save it because after we uh, look at our text here, we'll turn over there and we'll just read that text just briefly and, and have very little comment. But our main portion will be here out of Genesis chapter number 45. And uh, as we've looked at the life of Joseph, we've, see, we've seen him as a son, uh, we've seen him uh, as a slave, uh, we've seen him as a, in a scandal, uh, we've seen him as the seer, in other words, the prophet of God that would interpret all the dreams, and then we've seen him as well uh, as he was, uh, I don't remember the last one, but uh, uh, stranger, he was a stranger to his brother, uh, and then we've seen him as well as a shepherd, we're going to see him this morning rather, as a shepherd. Uh, a shepherd not to sheep, but a shepherd to his family. And, uh, and so we'll look at that this morning. Genesis chapter 45 and verse number 9. We'll take our text from there. Genesis 45, 9. The Bible says, Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all thou hast come to poverty." And, uh, and let's stop there and let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, we thank you just for your many blessings in our life. Thank you for the privilege that we have to gather in your house, Father, around your word. God, I thank you for each and every person that was able to make it in this morning. God, I pray that you'd bless them. Uh, God, I thank you for each and every one that is uh, tuned in online. And God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would strengthen them through the words and through the message, Father. And God, I pray that you would just use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. And God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all all that's said and done in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, we're going to see Joseph now as the shepherd. In the last portion, we saw that he was a stranger. It's, it's curious, and I commented on it last week, but I think it's in chapter 43, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it's 44. You can go back and read it later. But as Joseph was, uh, was treat, treated his brothers when they first came up, and, uh, and he was a little bit rough with them, to be honest. But then he takes and he sends them back uh, to their father with the corn that they need. And the whole way back, uh, their brothers constantly refer to Joseph as the man. They had no idea that Joseph was Joseph. 
And when they go back to their father, and even when they talk to their father, they, they, they say, the man in Egypt. And they talk of him as a complete stranger. And, uh, and certainly they did not know who he was at all. And so it was a very unique chapter, uh, unique passage, really, where we look at Joseph as being a stranger to his own brother. And we talked a lot about that last week. So I don't want to rehash that, but I just wanted to give you an idea of where we're at. So now uh, they have come back the second time and uh, they've already received their, uh, their, their corn and he has already told them, hey, I'm Joseph, your brother. And then he sent them back to their father and he said, hey, go back and, uh, and get your father and, uh, and, and I want you to bring him back. And so as we look at this, they're, they've already traveled back and they've already told their father, hey, Joseph is alive and he's in Egypt and, uh, and he sent us to bring you back. And uh, it's very interesting as we look at this <clears throat> because Joseph is no longer a stranger to his brothers but now has become their shepherd. And a shepherd is given a great responsibility to care for the sheep. His brothers, think about this, they, they despised and hated Joseph. And they wronged him in many ways. I mean, the fact that they uh, threw him in a pit and they sold him into slavery and, and, and they really even thought about killing him. I mean, that's, that's how extreme it was. They did talk about that. And you think about all of that and he forgave them. What a great picture. Joseph certainly reminds us of Jesus Christ. And now as he becomes their shepherd, and he's no longer a stranger to them, but rather uh, would nurture and nourish and provide for them and care for them. What an incredible picture of how Jesus Christ becomes our shepherd and nurtures and nourishes and cares for us. Go with me to Isaiah 53. And, uh, and I just want to read the first few verses. We're not going to spent a lot of time commenting on it. Isaiah 53, in verse number 1, the Bible says this, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now this is referring to Jesus Christ. But yet you look at it from the eyes of the, the Joseph's brothers, and certainly they did despise him. Certainly they did reject him. Certainly they did not like him. And it's just parallels because Joseph is a great type and a picture of the life of Jesus Christ. Verse number four. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people 
people he was stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And uh, certainly that references Jesus Christ as the greatest of all shepherds. But oh, what a parallel it really paints uh, to the life of Joseph, really. And you can see how Joseph indeed was a, uh, was a shepherd. Uh, to his family. You can see that they, they did despise him. They did reject him. His brothers took him and sold him into slavery and threw him in a pit and they didn't want anything to do with him. And, and, uh, and certainly he suffered for uh, 13 years there in Egypt, uh, being a slave and then being a prisoner and, and all of the things that have transpired in his life. And to see the fact that he would uh, forgive his brethren and turn around and say, you know what? Not only do I forgive them, I am going to take care of them. He could have very easily said, you know what, my dad and Benjamin, they can come up. The rest of you guys, you're on your own in Egypt. You come up and get corn when you need it, I'll give it to you, but I'm not, you're not coming up. But he didn't do that. Joseph was a very forgiving, and what an incredible testimony as he became the shepherd uh, uh, to his family. And so, uh, what a great picture as we look at this. I want you to notice just a few things about Joseph being the shepherd uh, that he was. I want you to notice the precepts of Joseph. Uh, now, a good shepherd cares for his sheep. And Joseph shows great care uh, in caring for his family during a difficult time. Uh, Jesus is the great shepherd, and he cares for his sheep. Uh, we will be able to see some of the similarities in this passage between how Joseph cares for his family and how Jesus really cares uh, for us as his children. And so what a great uh, illustration and passage that we will see here uh, as we look at the life of Joseph. We've already read verses 9 through 11, but uh, as we think about these things, I want you to notice uh, that his enlistment of the servants, uh, his brethren being the servants, uh, the enlistment of them. Look with me in verse number 9. We read this, and I, I should have gave you a little background because we jumped into the passage, but look with me in verse number 9. This is after Joseph has already revealed himself to his brothers. And he says here in verse 9, Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. After all the bad that his brethren had done to him, and after uh, all that has transpired in his life, uh, he has he forgiven them, but now he has not only forgiven them, but he's also entrusting them with a, with a responsibility. Now, just think for a moment, those brothers. I mean, when they went back to their father 20 years ago, and, and they had these torn coats, they had deceived their father. They knew what they did. They let him draw his own conclusions, and they just uh, they, they said, well, we don't want to outright lie to Dad, so we'll just say, well, we found this coat. And, uh, and so they were very deceptive in their manner that they dealt with their father. And so 20 years ago, they had gone to their father and said, well, uh, is this Joseph's coat? And as the father drew all the conclusions. Oh, no, my son's dead. Some wild beast has torn him and, and killed him. And, and he drew all the conclusions, and they just didn't bother to correct him. And now he's told his brother, and he said, hey, I want you to go back to dad, and I want you to let him know, hey, that Joseph is alive, 
Not only is he alive, he is in Egypt and he is in charge of everything that is going on in Egypt. What a great uh, illustration of how Joseph would take and entrust such an important message uh, to his brothers. And listen, you and I who were uh, estranged from God, you and I who were sinners by birth, who were against God and not for God and really uh, going against or away from God, And yet, once we got saved and once we were reconciled to God, he now enlists us as servants to take a message to the lost and dying world. And what a, what a great principle uh, that, hey, they were, uh, they were, not only did they, did they say, yeah, we will do that, but they were kind of obliged to, to Joseph. I mean, after all, he, he was holding all the gold. He was holding all the grain. He was, he was the guy in charge. And so uh, they were kind of a, obliged to, to serve him and do whatever he would ask. Listen, uh, with salvation, having you and I been born again, we're kind of obliged to serve the Lord. And listen, in a right way, we ought to desire that. I've used the illustration many times, and it's just a simple illustration, but if, if somebody uh, saved your life, and, and maybe they pushed you out of the way, and, and maybe they took the, the accident on themselves, maybe a, a car or whatever it is, and, uh, and they suffered, you would, you, would, you would feel an obligation to serve and help if that person lived, that person, or if not, their family. Because after all, you're the one that should have received that. You're the one that they were saving. And so uh, you would feel an obligation. Listen, Jesus Christ took all of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Every one of them. And he took our punishment. and He took our place. And we ought to feel an obligation to serve the Lord. His brethren certainly felt an obligation to serve him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. What was that price? It was the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There was really no way for the brothers, as he's trying to send them down to Egypt, there was really no way for them to say, well, we can't do that. We're not going to do that. Uh, listen, we, we, it is amazing today to me um, at, at, at how polished and professional um, we have become in making excuses. We really do. I mean, man, you, you, I tell you what, it really sounds good. Sometimes it sounds so good, I'm almost convinced. And, and, and I'm just saying, boy, we're, we're so good at it. And, and these brethren, they, they weren't in a place to make excuses. Listen, when it comes to God and Him enlisting us in His service, we really don't have any grounds to give excuse for God or to God. Uh, we have an obligation to serve God. And so Joseph is enlisting uh, his brethren to serve, and he's, he's asking them to do this. Not only that, but look with me as, as he expounds on that. And look at verse number 9. He says this in chapter 45, and verse 9. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith the son of Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt, come down unto me, tarry not. 
not only the enlisting of, of his brethren, but the expounding. I want you to notice that, uh, that he says right in the beginning, haste ye, go up. Boy, there ought to be an urgency in, in reaching the lost with the gospel. Haste ye. Uh, hey, there's an urgency to getting the message to the lost and dying world. And, and just as Joseph said, hey, haste ye, get down. Don't, don't, don't mess around. Uh, don't, don't sit around in Egypt and observe all the land and, and take note of everything. He says, I want you to go with a message and I want you to go with an urgency. And I want you to get to my father and say, hey, uh, Joseph is yet alive. What an urgent message. What an important message to bring to their father. And listen. And Jesus has, uh, has entrusted every believer with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every nation. And we have a responsibility to get the, 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 the message that, hey, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's, uh, he is alive and he sets at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And, and he, uh, that's the message we are to take. And, and that's the first thing that he said there. Uh, Thy son Joseph, he's alive. Look at verse number uh, 13. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt. Listen, boy, how we're to proclaim the glory of God to the lost and dying world. The other day I was, I was sitting and I tell you what, we are, so, we are so tempted to complain. I was sitting on the couch and I, I, I propped my feet up and I was just sitting there for a moment and I, 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 was, I was a little bit discouraged to be honest with you and I, I started thinking and, and as I was thinking, the Lord said, I have been so good to you. And I started thinking, yeah, you're right. And I started just thinking, You've done this, you've done that. And I just, in my mind, in my own mind, I just started thinking about all that God has done for me. And I thought, yeah, I got no reason to complain. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, even on a worse day, uh, I mean, God has really blessed me in so many ways. And we ought to be grateful to God. And we ought to say, hey, you know, we don't need to tell, we don't need to uh, complain to the world uh, about our situation and this and that. You know what we need to do? We need to point them to God and say, you know what? God has been so good to me. God has changed my life. God has blessed me with this. And, and really count those blessings and, and explain them and let the world know that, hey, as a Christian, uh, God has blessed us. He saved us from so much in this life. Then he, you notice there in verse number 9, he says, Thus saith uh, my son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of Egypt, all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And uh, not only was there an urgency in their, in their, in their going, and uh, there was a message, hey, that he's alive, and Jesus is alive, and that he's glorious, and, and all the things that he does for us. But then uh, verse 9, he says, come down. In other words, hey, give him an invitation to come to Jesus. And Joseph was sending a message to his father, hey, come up to Egypt, come to me so that uh, we can provide for you and so that we can take care of you. And I'm reminded of Jesus' message to the world that says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy uh, laden, and I will give you rest. What a blessing 
that God sends out a plea and he makes it to the world and he says, hey, come unto me and I will give you rest. And what a blessing to know that, uh, that God will provide for the servants and how God uh, enlists our help. But then he expounds and he says, hey, uh, make it urgent. Make sure you're doing what you're supposed to. Go, go about the master's business and, and, and announce to people that Jesus is alive and that he's glorious. And then there's an invitation to come unto God and come to Jesus and be saved. But look with me in verse number 11, and I love this. He says, and there will I nourish thee. Joseph wasn't just inviting his father to come up and, hey, I'll spend some time. He said, listen, I want you to come up and I will take care of you. What a blessing that God invites us as lost people to him. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to nourish you. I don't know about you. I, I, nourishment is one of those things that you need every day. I got up this morning and I, you know what? I was hungry. I don't always eat breakfast, but this morning I'm like, man, I'm going to have to eat something. I'm not going to make it till noon if I don't eat something right now. I mean, my stomach will be growling louder than I can talk and uh, that wouldn't be good. So I, I, I thought, man, I got to eat something. So I ate, I ate some breakfast. But uh, uh, listen, you know what? By, I, that's only going to last me till about noon. Uh, maybe it'll last me to one, maybe. And, and then, you know what, I'm going to be hungry again. And, and the thing about nourishment is you need it over and over and over and over again. And the thing about God is he has an endless supply uh, of, of nourishment to give to us, spiritually speaking, in his word. You think about this and the fact that Joseph was second in command in all of Egypt. He wasn't lacking grain in his house, I can promise you that. Uh, he probably didn't even have to pay for the grain that he got. He was selling it to the Egyptians. He was selling it to those who were coming in, in need. But he was telling his, his family, he was saying, hey, you come and I'm going to provide everything that you need. I will take care of your needs. Listen, God has promised us, hey, that if we'll come, that he will take care of us and that he will nourish us and he will provide for us. And listen, what a wonderful God that would provide. Not only that, but as you look at this, you see the enlisting of his servants, the expounding of his servants, but I want you to notice as well the enabling of his servants. Look at verse number 19 as he goes to send them down to, uh, to Israel to pick up his father and bring them back. He says in verse number 19, Now thou art commanded to do this, this do ye. Take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. We have the enabling of the servants. He says, listen, uh, I, I don't expect all those little ones and those grandchildren and the great-grandchildren to be able to walk all of that distance. I tell you what, I'm going to load you up with wagons and, uh, and you're not going to have to walk back to Egypt. You can ride on those wagons you go, or Israel. You go back to Israel and you load everything up and you pack everything up and you get everything loaded on those wagons and you get the kids all loaded on the wagons. Hey, and you bring them back up here to Egypt. I read that and I thought, boy, that's the first bus ministry right there. Bring them in, amen? And uh, load, them, load them wagons up and, uh, and, and bus them in. And, and, uh, and you laugh, but we, uh, we had a bus ministry in Peru and uh, we didn't even have a bus. I remember it was one of the strangest things I had ever seen in my life. And they said, we have routes. And I said, what do you mean you have routes? 
And they said, well, this is what we do. And, and, and they had people that were in charge of those routes, and they would, they would come into the church, and, and uh, they would meet there, and then they would go out on their route. And what they would do is they would walk uh, to the houses. They'd, they'd knock on the doors, and the kids would come, and they'd say, all right, let's go to the next house. And those kids would walk with them, and they were just basically responsible for bringing those kids in. And they'd go to the next house and bring those in, and, and they'd go, some of them, they would walk quite a ways, and they would go quite a ways out. And then they would walk with all those kids in tow and bring them in and take them to the church. They didn't even have a bus. They had routes, and they were bringing those kids in. And listen, uh, what an enabling, as, as Joseph was saying, listen, you, I'm going to send you out, I'm going to send you carts, and you're going to be able to bring them back. Listen, sometimes you've got to bring people in to the Lord, but he enables you to do that. We, when we strive to accomplish his will, he provides and listen, we ought to be working for the Lord and, and he pro, he'll provide and he'll take care of those needs uh, because he said that he would. Now I want you to notice as well the exhortation to the servants. This is interesting. Back in verse number 9, we see this twice at least. In verse number 9 he says, he says, tarry not. Well, he says in the very beginning, haste ye. And then at the end of the verse, he says, tarry not. And then verse 13, he says, And ye shall tell my father of all, the glory, of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. There was a fervency that he was exhorting them. He's saying, hey, I want you to be, uh, be expedient. I want you to be diligent. I want you to be fervent about the master's business. I want you to go down and I want you to get my father. And I don't want you to go the long route, scenic route, while you're riding the wagons and looking at the landscape. He said, hey, I, we've, got a, we've got a seriousness about this work and a fervency that I want you to go. And I'm reminded of the verse in, in Romans 12, 11 that says, not sloth in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Well, we need to have a fervency in serving the Lord. A fervency of not tarrying. A fervency. Uh, I love that word, fervency. Uh, it's just a good word that, that, uh, that means, hey, we ought to be serious and we ought to be on fire about serving the Lord. And have an urgency and a passion and, and a desire uh, to serve the Lord. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's kind of the idea you get when reading this as Joseph was saying, Hey, tarry not, haste ye, haste ye now. Uh, get a move in and make sure that you're going and doing uh, what I've asked you to do. But not only a fervency, but I want you to notice as well. Look with me at verse number 24. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, look at this phrase, See that ye fall not out by the way. See that ye fall not out by the way. Not only was he exhorting them to have a fervency uh, in doing what he had commanded them to do, but I want you to notice as well, he was, he was exhorting them to be faithful about their business. What does that mean, fall out by the way? I don't know that's a strange phrase, but if you have a falling out with somebody in our English phrase, that means to be, uh, have a, a quarrel with somebody, a disagreement, and you would have a falling out between two people. It is very probable that Joseph's brethren, I mean, uh, after all, he knew them well. And, uh, and there, are, there were uh, 10, 11 brothers, 
And listen, you get two brothers together and, and they can't hardly agree. I mean, they're going to have fallen outs all the time. And so you get 10 of them uh, in one trip going one way. Uh, you could imagine that there would be some fallout on the way. And he's saying, listen, don't be quarreling. Don't be fighting. Don't be distracted. Uh, don't be disagreeing with each other. But hey, I've got a job for you to do and I want you to be fervent about it. I want you to go and I want you to be faithful about your service in one what you are doing. And so Joseph is giving them some very specific instructions and he's, he's exhorting them and how they are to get it done. And he's saying, hey, be faithful. Listen, uh, very little is accomplished when Christians fight. Matter of fact, you could go a little step further and say nothing good is accomplished when Christians fight. That's true. Uh, you can't get stuff done if you're busy quarreling one with another. You can't get stuff done if you're busy arguing back and forth. Uh, and the, I was reminded of the verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, you know who wins when, when Christians argue and fight? The devil. That's exactly what he wants. I mean, after all, if he keeps us occupied being, uh, if we're, we're occupied with, well, this brother thinks that and, and that's not right and, and you're busy, you're, you're arguing with that, then you know what you're not doing? What God wants you to do. You're not going down and getting people and bringing them to the Lord. You're not busy uh, being a witness to other people. You're, you're, you're busy uh, fighting battles that don't need to be fought and, and, and solving problems that are not necessarily ours to solve. And so we find that he is exhorting them to be faithful and not to fall out by the way. So there's an exhortation to the servants. And that's all the precepts that we look at and... Uh, Look with me, the next point, two points will be really short, all right? The next one is, those are the precepts, but look at the presentation of Joseph. Verse, chapter 46, verses 29 and 30, I'll just mention this, we won't spend a lot of time here, but the, the family goes down and they get uh, his dad and they bring them back and they bring the little ones on the wagon. And look in chapter 46 and verse 29, we see the presentation as... Joseph goes to meet his father. In verse number 29, the Bible says, And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. Presentation. He, Joseph goes to meet his father. He doesn't wait for him to get all the way up into Egypt. He says, listen, get my chariot, and we know where they're going to be coming. And uh, maybe he had people set up to watch for them. And he said, we're going to go down, and we're going to, uh, to meet with them. And, and what a joyous, happy occasion that this shepherd would meet with his father as part of his flock now, and, and that he would care for uh, his father. Uh, what a joyous occasion. You think back 20-some years ago when Joseph... Joseph left his father, he was in obedience to his father, doing what he had commanded him to do. Joseph had no way of knowing he wouldn't see his father for 20 years. Israel had no way of knowing that he would not see his son again for 20 years. And that he would think he was dead. And he thought he would never see him again. 
And so what an incredible, joyous occasion as Joseph and his father are reunited after 20 years, uh, 13 years that Joseph was in Egypt, and then the, the seven years of famine, and now two more years of, of additional, uh, or 20, or, excuse me, let me go back, uh, 13 years of, of, of time in Egypt, seven years of prosperity, and now two years of famine. So it was actually 22 years when you add all that up that he hadn't seen his father. What a joyous reunion that he would be able to see his father. And so he goes down and presents himself to his father and he's excited to meet his father and see his father again. But then also, uh, we won't read it for sake of time, but in chapter 47, uh, verses 1 through 10, you can just note it down, that Joseph takes his family and he presents them uh, to, to Pharaoh there in Egypt. He takes his brothers first, and it's curious. You'll find there, I think, in verse number 2, he says in chapter 47, verse 2, and he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. Why did he choose five? I have no idea. Maybe the other five were busy with the flocks I don't, or with family. I don't know. Maybe he couldn't leave. Uh, I, I don't know why he chose five. We're not given who they are, but there was five that he chose. And he took them up to Pharaoh, and he's presenting them to Pharaoh and uh, and as he does, he gives them some, some information and some, uh, some things, and, but he's presenting them to Pharaoh. What an incredible, incredible time for his brethren. Here they are to meet the king of the, the most powerful country, really, in that time, in that day. And they were going up to meet that king. What a joyous occasion for them. And you think, well... Uh, what, what an honor that Joseph bestowed upon them to present them to the, the king of, of Egypt. And then his father in verses 7 through 10, and we won't read that for sake of time either, he presents his father, and, and you could just imagine Joseph, or not Joseph, excuse me, Jacob, Israel, dressed in his regular everyday work clothes. Jo Jacob was a, uh, a shepherd. I mean, that's what he cared for the flocks. And, and, and I could just imagine he just had it. Those were the clothes he owned and those were the clothes he wore. And, and that's what he did every day was worked with those things. And, and you could just kind of see him going up to, to, to uh, Pharaoh's throne room, really. And here he is, just a common person. And Pharaoh arrayed in all his glory and Joseph, of course, with his clothes, he had been given new clothes and was arrayed in all his glory. And Joseph was not embarrassed of his father or of his family, but he was proud of his flock. And he said, hey, I want to present them to the king of Egypt. And I want to present them to the highest uh, man. And, and, and listen, uh, what an honor for them that they would do that. And they would have that opportunity to meet the king of Egypt. And, and what presentation that Joseph made of his family as he, uh, he went down to see his father and meet his father. And then uh, he presented them to the king of Egypt. There's a lot there in the presentations, and it's interesting to look at, but uh, let's move on for sake of time. In chapter 47, in verse number 11, the Bible says this, And Joseph placed his father and his brethren, and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren, all his father's household with bread according to their families. 
Not only can we see the precepts and we can see the presentations as Joseph goes down to meet them and then presents them to Pharaoh, but then lastly, I want you to notice the provision that's made for his sheep. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but a good shepherd will provide for his sheep. We find in uh, Psalm chapter 23, one of the most common psalms that people refer to in hard times and difficult times, the second verse of that psalm says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. And what a blessing that God provides for us. We see in verse number 11 there that Joseph was providing a land for them. Not just any land. It wasn't uh, just some land in Egypt that was randomly selected. No, uh, it, was, it was the best of the land. And Pharaoh said, hey, I want you to get the best of the land. This is your family. I want them to have the very best in all of Egypt. And so they selected. And listen, uh, God has a place and he knows what's best for our lives. And he'll get us by the uh, green pastures. And we, there might be times, as the Bible says, that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But hey, if we're with the shepherd, he's going to provide for us and he's going to take care of us. And God knows the best place for us to grow. So many times people don't consider really what God wants in their life. They, they think about all the logical things. Well, this is the best thing for my family, and this is the best thing for me, and this is the best thing for that, and they'll run through all the logical reasons, and it all sounds good, and it all sounds very logical. But the question is, have you stopped and paused and asked God, what do you think? What's your opinion? What's best? And God will provide for us if we'll follow Him. And, uh, and I'm reminded of the verse, and we all know it. We need reminded of it. I need reminded of it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Do you know what that means? In all thy ways acknowledge Him. That's saying, God, what do you think of this? God, what do you think of this direction? God, what do you think of this? And asking God. In all thy ways, acknowledge to, to say, God, I want to know what your mind is on this. And the Bible goes on and it says, and he shall direct thy paths. You have not because you ask not. Reminded of that verse all the time. We ought to ask God, God, what do you want in my life? What direction should I go? Where am I now that you will take care of me? And Joseph provides an encampment, but also uh, we notice here in, in verse number 12, the Bible says, And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. The endowment. Joseph, just as I said earlier, had unlimited resources in Egypt. I mean, he had, he had all the grain that was stocked. He had control of everything. Listen, I'm reminded of the verse in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What a parallel as Joseph shepherded his family. 
and his precepts that he laid out for them. Hey, I got, a, I got a job for you to do. I want you to go down and I want you to tell dad and I want you to hurry and I want you to be, uh, be uh, straight in, in doing what I've commanded you to do and I want you to, to bring them back and, and tell them about all my glory and tell them that I'm alive. And, and, and he had a job for them, but he also enabled them and provided for them and, and, and gave them direction and, and provided. But then we see also the, the, uh, the presentation as Joseph goes down and meets them and he was excited to see them and then presents them to the king and then the provision as Joseph provides for his family. What a picture of how God takes care of us. And oh, the ways that God will, yeah, he's given us uh, responsibility, but man, how God cares for us and takes care of us time and time again. Truly, what a wonderful God we serve. What a great shepherd that we have as Christians. And we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your many blessings in our life. God, certainly you have responsibilities that you've given us, but yet, God, you've not left us without a way to accomplish them. God, I pray that you would help us and help us to see truly what a wonderful shepherd you are to us. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every person Help us to confide in you. God, I pray that you would just uh, strengthen and bless each and every person that's here. And Father, if there's one that does not know you as their own personal Savior, God, may they make you their shepherd today by putting you, their faith and trust in you as their personal Savior. God, I pray that you would just bless. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have just a short hymn of invitation, we've seen Joseph as the shepherd. What a picture of Christ as our great shepherd. No greater shepherd than Jesus Christ.